boxing is never gonna die. It's fighting, right? It's primitive. It's like sex. We need it. Yes. Guess what happens when you buy castles, man? <laughs> you gotta fight till you're 60 years old. Don't buy castles. That should be the first rule. P.O.P., baby. He was getting in those ears. You're out of your mind, bro. Instead of boxing, it's a sport that keeps on fucking us over and over. But because I'm in love with it, I stay with it. <laughs> And welcome to the P.O.P. Podcast, Picking Off Punches. I'm with my boy, the host with the most, Derek Drescher. What's good, Daddy-O? Chilling, chilling. Happy to be here. You're not only my D.O.G., you're the G.O.D. How you feeling? Bow. <laughs> and of course, I'm Sergio Chicone. Sergio Chicone, because that skin is smooth like a dolphin. If you don't know, act like you do. Blizzy. Hey. <laughs> my no-state stuffy, 365. Blowhound. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got the Rizzo dialect. Wu-Tang hat is on fire. I'm feeling it. You know what I'm proud of? My At least I know the Wu-Tang albums, right? When I see someone with a Wu-Tang shirt on or a, an article of clothing, as I may, whether it be jacket, you know, they make pants to woo wear and all that. I go, oh, what's your favorite album? And they go, I don't know. Yeah. It's like me moving around the street with a Rolling Stones t-shirt. Yeah, like you're wearing a Guns N' Roses. Yeah. Uh, and you know, this. like one hit song. You're faking it, cuz. Faking it. Faking it. Yeah, slipping on your pimping. You're Word. slacking on your macking. I like the way you wear that Wu-Tang hat because you wear it like you're not really wearing it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you got to rock a t-shirt. Like you're wearing a chinchilla. You got to wear a chinchilla like you're rocking a t-shirt. <laughs> Yo, and both of us are representing our boys say, look, you got the Anxiety Tuesday on. Yeah, my man Chrissy Chaos Stefano. And I'm rocking uh, Street Talk, my man Max Mantikoff. Yeah. But today is all about the boxer, the late Vernon, the Viper, Forrest. He's from Georgia. He was a fantastic boxer. And we're going to have uh, Mr. Frank Durst, a friend of his, also a teammate. And he's going to highlight this... Uh, very unique individual. Not only was he a fantastic boxer, but he was also a humanitarian, if I may. Absolutely, absolutely. Before we go any further, mm -hmm. I would like you to say the late Vernon. The late the Vernon. The late Vernon the Viper Forest three times very quickly. Okay. The late Vernon Forest Viper. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I got this. <laughs> the late Vernon Viper. Oh, fuck. That's hard. Yeah, bro, you, uh, you have a speech impediment. I do. Yeah. I don't know if it's the overbite or the fact that I just. The late Vernon the Viper Forest. The late Vernon the Viper Forest. The late Vernon the Viper Forest. What's good, kid? Yeah, you Maybe gotta... I should be the. Uh... Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, that's a good, <laughs> There's a good possibility you may be doing the intros. <laughs> There's a good possibility I might just uh, be the one on the sideline eating Cheetos and licking cheese off my fingertips. That's why you. Uh... That, that's me. That's me. Yo, I won't hide it. I won't hide it. Fritos. Yeah, I dog. I can't wait for the popcorn. Yo, we're looking for sponsorship. So, uh, yeah, Fritos, white cheddar popcorn, Doritos, Coca-Cola. We are very interested. Now, as my colleague uh, said so eloquently uh, when, when speaking of Vernon, uh, you know, our producer, Marshall, Mm -hmm. Was asking us, Mr. Grupp. Mr. Grupp was asking who's finally back from vacation. What a good life. Yeah, great life. Yeah. Great life. I saw his uh, Instagram story. He's laid out on a pool, you know. All just, big. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> you know, this sunblock on his chest. Uh, but he's Marshall. playing it safe. His, his hair is, is in the water. He's still got the mask on. Really? In the pool. Oh, my God. Mask in the safe. pool. Yeah. Marshall. The Marshall. It, was an aqu it was an aquatic mask. <laughs> Marshall asked me. He go. He said, what made you guys uh, think of wanting to do an episode on Forrest? 
And I, to me, it was because everything I knew about him as a fighter and then just little uh, trickles of information I would get about him over time. Plus, you know, the way he, he passed away, you know, uh, not allowing himself to be robbed. I believe I heard a story of him one time chasing down somebody that, that robbed him. That's when, correct. When he, he was in the Olympics. Oh, really? So I believe so. I hope I don't have it confused with another fighter. That's why we'll ask Frank. But he just seemed like a very stand-up guy. Yeah. And He's one of these guys that I became interested in because of his hardships. Right. I knew he was a great fighter. When he lost to Mayoga, I was a big fan of Mayoga, but right. I never really, after the fact, right? Right, right, right. But I became interested in Vernon after that fight. I needed to see what was his history. And he beat some guys, like, convincingly. He beat Shane two times over. He stopped the Shane Mosley train. And yeah, and he brought Shane it to a Mosley, dead stop. Right, and Shane was considered the best at the time. So I didn't know any of this. So when he fought Mayoga, who was this wild, uh, swinging Nicaraguan with a Newport cigarette perched in his mouth and a Budweiser be on the left. Calling people sexual slurs. <laughs> yeah. He was a maniac. He was, he was mean. He was kind of like Edwin Valero, Mayoga. Yeah, absolutely. We should do an episode on him. But so super unorthodox, and he stopped. The thing is, when Vernon, Vernon lost those fights, right? Like, I don't usually feel bad for fighters when I see them lose, you know what I mean? But he was trying so hard against Mayorga, and he just, you know, styles make fights. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, he was rocked early, and he was just so uh, committed to the fight. Right. I mean, and you saw it in his eyes. I mean, he was wobbly, and, and he fought him a second time. It was a lot closer. He lost, a, I believe, the split decision. But that made me interested in him. Right. I come to find out he had a decorated amateur career. He was also into helping people, which is nice, man. It's so refreshing. He had a, a non-for-profit called Destiny's Child. And he was very hands-on. I mean, he was out there with the gloves. Right, right. You know, and I'm not talking about boxing. He was out there with the plastic gloves because he didn't want to touch those kids. No, I'm kidding. Yo. <laughs> he was out there, you know, teaching kids, instilling confidence, uh, you know, just really in the grit with them. And I just found that to be super admirable and just a stand-up dude. Yeah, that's what drew me to him and why I wanted to do the episode on him. And uh, also the, 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 the tragic way he went out. So unfortunate. He's at a gas station. With his 11-year-old godson, mm -hmm. it was a car rob. I believe they tried to hijack or carjack him. Carjack him, take jewelry, something like that. Yeah, he was he not having them. it. He chased them, and they waited for him to turn around before they shot him. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily, those guys are doing some real time in the Bing. Right. You're familiar with the Bing. I am familiar with the Bing, but I would also like to hey, say- Hey, why don't you celebrate criminal activity now that we're talking about this? Celebrate well, it now. <laughs> Well, listen, I'm not one of these... No, you weren't a, you weren't a violent... Yeah, I was very criminal. violent. I was very violent. <laughs> Yo, I love the fingers intertwined with each other. I was very violent. <laughs> I was. Did you stab someone in the ass for Doritos I one did. time? I did. Cheetos. Cheetos. It was over a bag of Cheetos. Right in the ass. Would it have been the same deal if it was Doritos or Cheetos with just your shit? Anything. You can't take nothing. You can't take nothing from me without getting dealt with. Was it the left cheek or right cheek? Right cheek. And he went, ah, you got it. Wait, I wait, we got to, did he throw the Cheetos behind him? Yes, like a that's exactly what he did. Yeah, he went, ah, you got it. He throws a banana peel. He was peel. trying to get in a cell. Wow. Yeah. Mm. I wasn't having it. I also like the fact that Vernon had the nickname The Viper. The Viper, that's a, that's a great nickname. Mm-hmm. Great nickname. Now, I don't know if Vipers are poisonous. I think that's your area of expertise. Because well, you don't know shit about boxing. But snakes? <laughs> well, let me just correct you by saying... No snake is poisonous. You have to ingest for oh it to be considered God. poisonous. They will be considered venomous. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, there's many different types of vipers, too. I'm, I'm interested. There's tree vipers? 
Oh, absolutely. Ground vipers? Correct. What about water vipers? Yes, I believe so. <laughs> Slumped you. Stumped me a little bit. I was in, I'm not sure if a moccasin is considered a viper. I don't think Ooh, so. Ooh, water moccasin. Yeah, a.k.a. cotton mouth. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. I move around like a cotton mouth when I smoke weed. I'm like that. <laughs> Dry-ass mouth. <laughs> There's actually cotton mouths in New York. Really? Upstate? I believe so. I believe there might You're be You're familiar few. with upstate? <sighs> okay. God, here we go. So, yeah. but, so this is the thing. Well, getting back into I know when you asked me if I was violent. I'm not like, as far as like all this prison reform... I actually lean very conservative on that. I think anybody that commits any act of violence, whether it's slapping somebody, shooting somebody, they should they should have to pay. I mean, census should be given out accordingly. So people who are asking for reform in that area don't agree with that for the most part? No, they want everybody to just go free. Really? I thought it was more they want to instill more of a, a guide where it's like they're actually helping the people, not necessarily just locking them in a the cage and having them sleep on top of each other and having roaches and fecal matter to lay on and use as pillows and Oh, you're sheets. talking about what I had the picture that from Rikers the other day? Mm -hmm. That dude, you know what's so crazy? Propaganda? Like, oh my God, it's been happening for years. So it doesn't need to be addressed, just leave it alone? Oh my God, the media is just finally like, oh, we need something new to write. Come on, everybody knows. Everybody who needs to know, knows. It doesn't matter if you know. It doesn't matter if I know. Yeah. Yeah, the people who need to know, know. The politicians, the correctional officers, the inmates. Everybody who needs to know, knows. All right, this place is gonna be like that until they shut it down. It's a shithole. Everybody would rather go upstate to prison and be there. Believe that. Yeah, I believe it should be shut down, but I'm not gonna march or participate in any of those activities no. because uh, those protesters need to be young, vibrant, and articulate, and I don't care that much. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I love <laughs> young uh, protesters, people who fight for our rights, people who help the community, but they march too damn much, and I have bunions that I need to take care of, and I'm running a race next week. <laughs> That's more of my concern. Yeah, I don't like being in large groups, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, because of COVID, right? Something like that. So Vernon the Viper for us, I'm really excited about highlighting this uh, this gentleman. You know, he's, he should be an inspiration to us on. Like I said, we want to make sure that we highlight these figures. And I got to say, the, the driving point to this is because of the tragedy. And that's when I went back and researched him. And I found that he beat Sergio Mora mm -hmm. after a defeat. So he was one of these guys that would lose and bounce back. He fought a lot of guys two times over. I thought Sergio he drew Mora, with Sergio. Would you want to look that up? I, I thought it, I, I thought Sergio uh, my, Sergio my... also named the, the Latin snake Mora. Yeah, two battles of the snakes. Right. Very slippery. Vernon also had a reconstructed arm, and I want—I can't wait to talk to Frank about that. Oh, he had the mechanical emoji arm, something like that. Interesting. Something like was that. it the left or right? I don't—I'm I, pretty sure it was his left arm. I'm okay. pretty sure. So yeah, I, he uh, fought a lot of guys two times over. I believe he fought, fought Mosley twice, Mosley twice, Raul Frank twice. Did that Sergio Picarillo? What was his name? Remember that guy? Sergio Mora twice. So he was a guy that went after it, even though, you know, he, he went for his. Yeah, he definitely was not a sucker. He, fought, he, he beat Ike Corte, mm -hmm. beat a lot of good fighters. That was a questionable uh, defeat, though, and that was after a couple of losses, I believe. We uh, should we, we should. He did lose a majority decision to, to Sergio Mora. He did. He beat everybody, bro. What would you say his style was? Would you, thought, would you think it was that of a, of a viper? Was he, like, from the outside, kind of an ambush predator, you know, just laid low and... And bang out. I mean, I think he could mix it up nicely. He boxed. He could get. I think he was a there. great, great boxer and had great ring generalship. You know, he and he he had decent power. He's also very tall and long, but he could mix it up on the inside. I think he was. I just think he was an all around good boxer. I feel that he just had a lot of heart. 
also and like made up for like he wasn't that quick but he made up for you know speed and what With he, the tenacity yeah yeah it's a good word tenacity exactly. exactly damn man it's such a shame because <sighs> he beats mosley twice right this is like his come up right which by the way mosley's a, a technical fighter with power in both hands has good speed and very, he was very fast at that very yeah, yeah. fast i yeah. mean that's a prime mosley and yeah. then he loses against mayoga which is which is odd right but you know that's the, the beautiful thing about boxing it's very unpredictable and uh mayoga was swinging he was coming he was coming from different angles right very unorthodox right 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 and he got to him two times over so I'm interested in speaking to Frank Durst uh, about uh, Vernon, and we're gonna learn. We're gonna get more in depth with it. And uh, yeah, what question do you have for Durst? I want to know how he felt, because to me, it just looked like the Vernon was gonna be sitting pretty, maybe be able to unify the belts. At, he was a two-time world champion, but he was champion when he passed away. I was wondering about that because he took two years off after he lost to Mayorga and was just starting to inch his way back. I think he did one or two warm-up fights, fought Corte. Fought Michelle Pacrillo. Yeah, he fought in two different ways. There was a dude named Michelle? Michelli, McKeeley. He's one of those European. I think he's from Italy. Okay. He had the two fight. He beat I Corte, beat Carlos Baldemir, Michelle Picarillo. He fought Sergio Moore twice. And after he beat Sergio, unanimous decision, he passed away. Not and what way did, did he compete at? Was it a welterweight? Welterweight. And he was uh, a tall welterweight. And, one, and 154, junior middleweight, two weight class. Uh, he, and, you know, I mean, he had the frame to go up to 160. He did. Yeah. Yeah, he would have been one of those guys that would have eventually... He would have went up and he would have probably fought Sergio Martinez. Yeah, the cyclist. Uh, Marshall's holding up a sign that says super welterweight. Just so you know, Marshall, junior middleweight and super welterweight is the same thing. Okay? Yeah, and Derek, is, <laughs> and Derek stands at 5'2", and he's a super heavyweight. First of all, I'm 5'7 and 3 quarter, and I weigh 210 pounds. Yeah, and I'll smash anybody. That's <laughs> Yo, Derek has like 30 seconds in the gas tank. Yeah, but if I get you... Yo, your calves are mad big, too. You got yeah. Korean man calves. The thing is this. I, I, I'm good at throwing hands if I get a hold of you. Man, I'll punch you in your chest to smother Newport smoke. <laughs> I, I would smother you. No, nah, man, I'll just keep you out. I think I would just fall on you and lay there. I'll pivot around. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> without further ado, let's bring on our man, Frank Durst. Hey, Frank, how are you? How you doing? I'm doing well. How are y'all doing? I'm doing well. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you. Awesome. I'm Sergio. This is my host, my co-host, Derek Drescher. And welcome to P.O.P. Picking Off Punches. We really appreciate your time. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me on. First of all, I want to thank you for coming on a Absolutely. second time. And the reason why we wanted you on is we have a deep respect for Vernon, the Viper Forest. We were talking about him a couple of weeks ago, and we thought, damn, P.O.P. is here to highlight some of our favorite boxing figures, and we just had to have someone who can assist us with that. So you being a teammate, a good friend of his, we're very excited to have you on. How old were you when you when you met uh, Vernon? I can't remember the exact age I was, but it was in the 80s. And to, you know, to step back to that, there's a, another Augusta native, uh, you know, family friend, Billy Baxter. You know, you might have heard of him. I don't know how much you keep up with uh, professional gambling. Bill is a uh, is a native of Augusta, and he was also a manager for boxers. I mean, so good family friend. You know, I started uh, boxing. You know, I was around nine years old, but I uh, had a bad temper, and uh, you know, my my legal name is is Francis. You know, but I go by Frank. I mean, so uh, being small. It's so funny. We were just talking about people with uh, men with, with with I guess unisex names, and uh, Derek brought up Michelle. A guy, a boxer by the name of Michelle. And I was like, damn, that's got to be tough. That must have inspired him to become a boxer. Right, right, yeah. 
you know, with the name Francis and, oh, you're a shrimp, you know, and getting picked on at school, you know, so I got in, uh, you know, there was the Augusta Boxing Club and Billy Baxter told my dad, said, hey, if he's getting in fights, having problems, behavioral issues, you know, try to take him to the gym, you know, get it out of him. And uh, I remember meeting Albert Jones, Kevin Wright and Vernon Forrest and uh, started my 16 year career in amateur boxing. And so very grateful for that. Vernon eventually moved away to Marquette, Michigan and trained, uh, you know, under the tutelage of Al Mitchell, who uh, was the 1996 Olympic coach and one of my coaches on, uh, you know, international boxing teams. I mean, but great person, but, you know, that kind of gives a summary. But uh, the the other part of that is that Bill Baxter also managed uh, Roger Mayweather. And so Roger would come to Augusta and train. And Roger is, you know, the uncle of uh, Floyd Mayweather, you know, uh, held hand pads, you know, he passed away last year, you know, uh, you know, a great loss, you know, but probably one of the best ping pong players I've ever seen. And then also uh, one of the most knowledgeable guys, you know, Roger Mayweather was as far as boxing. Absolutely. And he was so much fun to listen to. He was a great fighter also. You don't know shit about boxing. Yeah. <laughs> that was his, uh, his, his quote that, every, that just rings everywhere you go. Roger was a you know, tremendous guy. And I, and I got to train a little bit with him and with Vernon. And then also, uh, you know, before he fought uh, Julio Cesar Chavez. And so actually still have the gloves. I mean, he said he autographed the gloves that he fought Chavez in. I still have a pair of those. And so I'm a, I'm a big Mayweather fan. The boxing community is, you know, large, but then also very close-knit at the same time. Absolutely. Isn't it interesting talking about the Mayweathers, how there's been an evolution with the fighters, right? With the father, Sr., mm-hmm. Floyd Sr., and then the Mamba, Roger, mm-hmm. which I love that nickname, the Mamba, and it, it just because I'm a big animal lover, right? So we got Vernon, the Viper Forest. This, I just love the, the, the snakes as a nickname. You obviously know your boxing really well, and so, you know, Roger was the Black Mamba, and so I kind of was tying it with uh, Bill Baxter, you know, who's the manager, you know, so Roger was the, uh, you know, the Black Mamba, you know, he's a two-time world champion. And, you know, not many people know that, you know, because obviously Floyd's had so much success and, you know, that's the most successful Mayweather, but, you know, Floyd Sr., Roger, and then their other brother, Jeff, you know, was uh, Jazzy Jeff Mayweather was also a very successful boxer, but, uh, but and anyway. he's fun to listen to as well. Right. Yeah. 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 They're, all, they're, they're all funny guys, you know, good, good family. The Viper, you know, y'all had asked me, uh, you know, before this, you know, we got on the air, you know, that, uh, how did Vernon get that nickname? And I don't know specifically, but, you know, at the time, you know, when Vernon was early in his pro career, you know, Bill Baxter was helping him out with that and he moved to Vegas and, uh, was training actually with Roger, you know? And so, uh, I think that's where the Viper, uh, nickname originated and kind of took off. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. I love hearing this kind of stuff. Oh, it's just, the best. Uh, the fact that I know now that Roger Mayweather was a great ping pong player. It's like, this, <laughs> and you know, he yeah. was shit talking when he oh, did it. Absolutely. Too, right? absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> he had his own ping pong paddle. Yeah. I'm going to beat you ass right now. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. You don't know shit about ping pong. <laughs> right. <laughs> So you were competing. Did you move around with Vernon a lot, or were you at a, a different weight class? You know, I actually, I, and I lived in Augusta, and we, uh, and I was a different weight class. You know, majority of my amateur career, I was a bantam weight, 119 pounds. Uh, and, Ooh, punches and, and bunches. Right, right, and, and featherweight, 125 pounds. You know, and so, uh, and Vernon, you know, lived in Atlanta for a time period. You know, we we had a a great team of boxers. You know, at that time, you know, and also big influence with a. Uh, Buddy and Bo Davis ran the Georgia Boxing Association. You know, Evander Holyfield was also a big supporter. So, and, and Vernon and Evander were really close. I mean, both uh, past Olympians, you know, had the opportunity to 
have, you know, Evander working second, you know, in my corner one night when uh, it was Team Holyfield, you know, versus the uh, U.S. Marine champions and, and, and having Vernon calling punches, you know, and, and, and support me on the, uh, you know, ringside. Ooh, so that seems so strong. Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't get much cooler than that. So I had to miss school and somebody said, what'd you do? I said, well, I had Evander Holyfield, you know, holding my uh, spit bucket and then I had Vernon Forrest cheering me on on the ringside. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Did you find that it was helpful having Evander in the corner? Because I understand that some ex-fighters work in the corner doesn't always match up well. Right, Did yeah. you feel comfortable or feel like, oh, this is, this is a, a very good situation? Well, I think, you know, working as a second, you know, having him in the corner as a second, you know, he wasn't, my, my coach Tom Moritis was there, you know, in the corner along with Evander. I mean, but yeah, you know, to have, uh, you know, hey, you need to duck under, you know, his right hand and hit him with a left hook, you know, and have, you know, heavyweight champion of the world, you know, telling you and giving you advice when you're in the corner, you know, it kind of, you know, rings like, man, yeah, I've kind of made it and uh, had some success in, in, in the boxing arena. So That's awesome, man. Good did for you. you. Did you hit it right off with Vernon as soon as you met him? I did. And we, and we stayed, uh, like, I, like I've said, you know, stayed friends for decades. And, you know, even when he's traveling around and I'm traveling, you know, I, I ended up going to the uh, University of Tennessee, that was a you know big part of my story with Vernon and you know supported each other through our careers and uh, when I when I moved to Tennessee always stayed in touch with them we stayed in touch and played golf together he was a much better boxer than he was golfer but still had a good take he, he liked to putt he didn't like to hit the ball that much <laughs> and so we we stayed in touch and uh, that friendship was always there you know got to see him win the uh, I believe it was his first uh, world championship uh, against uh, Marlon Thomas at Bell Auditorium in Augusta that was a, a big moment for Vernon you know to be in his hometown and to, to win a world championship and then you know obviously you know beating Shane Mosley you know for the first time as a pro it's obviously you know, it was the it's the best bet that I ever made in my life. I mean, because I was talking with and, Vernon and a prime Shane <laughs> yeah. Mosley at that. Yeah, yeah. He handled Mosley handled well. Him. He handled him well. Right. Like, yeah. Absolutely. Not once, two times over. Correct. Right. Sure. I think he was the first guy to knock him down too. He was. Yeah. I think he. I think he knocked him out. He was second or third round, but a great fight. And and the crazy thing is, at that point, he was. Uh, you know, I talked to Vernon in training camp. You know, about a week out from the fight, and he said, "Hey," and he said, "Have you seen these odds on the fight? You know, it's uh, ten to one." And I never placed a, you know, a bet on a boxing match. And I said, well, you know, I had to find a bookie in Augusta and got 11 to one odds and ended up, you know, uh, betting a little money on it. And so it was, it was a nice profit. So that's awesome. From, from what I could tell, just from like watching Vernon in his interviews and as a fighter and just, you know, little uh, trickles of information I've, I've heard about him over the years, uh, he seemed like a very like respectable and stand up guy. Absolutely. You know, I'd say just a wonderful spirit, you know, a big smile to light up the room and his humility and service to others, you know, not, you know, not just to me, but, but just all, you know, he changed people no matter who, you know, who he was. And he always said, you know, Frank, you know, you want to be a champion in the ring and out of the ring, you know, and so, uh, and, and he lived that well. I mean, he wanted to, you know, to, to, like I said, be, be of service to others. If he saw something could be done better, he was the first to take action and try to get involved. It was something that he was passionate about. Like I said, a, a wonderful spirit and very giving, giving person. It's beautiful. I, I love to hear that. What do you think he learned that? You think his parents or was it uh, someone at the gym that inspired that sort of uh, way of life? Yeah, his family, his mother, uh, I believe his mother just turned, uh, you know, 79, you know, this past week. Uh, keep in touch with uh, Lavert Forrest, one of his brothers and siblings, you know, and then Alfonso, his other brother. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's really a family environment. And then, you know, he never, he always said, don't forget where you came from and always give back to your community. And so he wanted to uh, not forget where he came from and, and give back to others. So. And his charity, Destiny's Child, is still 
flowing. That's still got wheels. That's still a thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so he initially started that and, uh, you know, a, a great thing. And, that, and that's one of those where he saw there was a disservice and there was a way he could go in and improve it and make it better. And so uh, it was helpfully helping people with mental, mentally challenged, you know, to help secure a job and a place to live. And uh, he got involved and uh, I give him a lot of credit for that. He was there in the physical. This wasn't the sort of thing where right. he was, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, donate some money. He was there in the mix mentoring these kids and it's so funny i saw an interview where he said uh yeah i wanted to teach him how to box and i was teaching a kid a one two and then another kid just came and hit him and he's like yeah we're not gonna do any more boxing <laughs> right right yeah yeah there was a story i don't i i don't i didn't know if it was true or not and i i think when he was on the olympic team somebody stole something from him stole his hat or something like that right Right. And he chased him down and got the hat back, right? Right, yeah, which, you know, uh, sadly, I mean, I guess if it's a precursor, you know, to what happened in Atlanta, you know, on that night, uh, you know, so the, yeah, that was a, I believe it was Evander, you know, Holyfield that was with him and someone stole his hat and Vernon chased him until he couldn't find him anymore. And so, and he came back, the guy got his hat, you know, and uh, I believe Evander said, you know, it's just a hat, you know, let it go. So uh, Vernon was the type of guy, I mean, he'd give you the shirt off his back if he knew, you know, your intent you know, was good and uh, that you were working hard and trying to better your life, you know, but he didn't want anybody to take anything from him. And so, uh, you know, unfortunately, I, I think that night in July and 2009, you know, that's uh, unfortunately the same thing happened. You know, uh, somebody saw his Rolex, you know, uh, out of town plates on his car and uh, decided that, you know, maybe they can take advantage of this guy. And so uh, he, he wasn't going to have it. So, you know, uh, just talking about you said, you know, he would give anybody the shirt off the back. I could see how when you give so much of your time and energy to like assisting and improving things, if some, you know, if someone was to take something from you, you'd probably be, you know, pretty upset, you know? Did, did he have a switch? Because it seems that we got this, the fighter, and then we have the humanitarian. Did you see that he was just a fighter or was it, you think, would you consider him a mean fighter where he was in the ring? What, what would you say his style was? No, he, he definitely had a big switch. I mean, so he could turn it on and off. I mean, so, uh, like I said, you know, the uh, wonderful spirit, loving, beautiful smile. And then, you know, you switch that, you know, as they say, you throw, you ring that bell, you throw that first jab. I mean, he was in, you know, and, uh, you know, it was just a switch that he could turn on and on and off. You know, some people have that, some people don't. But, you know, he, he definitely had it. But uh, really, you know, Karen, if you want to say about the human race, and I think it's, God's grace uh, that, you know, he wanted to share that and serve others. And, and at the end of the day, that's what he did. I mean, he wanted people's lives to be better and enrich those lives that he touched. And uh, he, he definitely did it for me. And he's done it for Ray Whitfield, you know, who is the now the director of the Augusta Boxing Club. You know, uh, so Vernon was a little older than me and Ray's a little bit younger. And so we all overlapped and we've all been impacted by the different fighters you know, one of those being Vernon that have come through the club and really, you know, have that lasting impact on your life. Wow. Yeah, I'm always intrigued by the uh, the disposition of a fighter. Were you just, I just wanted to ask you a personal question. Were you able to switch it on and off like that? I, I think so. Or was it like hard? <laughs> no, yeah, I, that's a true professional, right? Someone who could do that. Right, yeah. I could switch it on and off, you know, but, uh, you know, you get pretty intense, you know, when you're in training camp, but uh, that's, the, that's the time where you're supposed to be. If a fight gets called off and you're training for it, how deflating is that? It's like, a, it's like a pin uh, right. in a tire, right? You're just right. like, Tss. what yeah. do you do? You just go to other sparring camps and just get the work in or you just look for another fight as soon as possible? Yeah, stay, stay in there and, uh, you know, try to get it rescheduled, you know, so, uh, but you try to stay in shape, you know, not get, not get too far from the gym. That never happened to you, Sergio? It did happen to me in an amateur bout. You know, I'm already, you know, taped up and everything and it's, 
for weeks I was just I didn't know what to do with that pent up energy. I'm shadow boxing in elevators, <laughs> you know, <laughs> running and then just coming down from it. I know sometimes you we'd go to weigh-ins and if there was nobody your weight, you didn't fight. Yeah. Yeah, so surgery, how many fights? How, how many fights have you had? I'm I'm undefeated, one and zero. I only had eight, eight, eight amateur fights. Right, yeah, I started late too, right. but it was nice just to get it out the way. Yeah, that's you right. know, I, I I was training for so long. I said, I just I just need to do do this, and it felt good. I said the same thing about the marathon. I said I'm doing one and done. Yeah, and now I'm doing it again. But I think I'm a little too grizzled and old to get back in the ring. I just realized... I'm do a masters and do 30 second rounds or one minute rounds with gloves out of this big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with the love handles overlapping my Everlast trunks. Oh, yeah, Get right. rid of those love handles nobody loves. <laughs> <Right. laughs> bank, bank. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Was Vernon a religious man? Uh, yeah, he had a deep faith. He, uh, and, um, you know, very strong belief in God and, uh, you know, believe that, you know, he was on a path, you know, to do something, you know, to, you know, uh, if it, whether it's be a champion, like I said, in the ring or out of the ring, you know, Vernon was all on that path. And, uh, always believe in something greater than himself. After the two losses to Mayorga, is that when he got the reconstructive surgery on the arm? It is. I think he had a layoff there for about two years, you know, two when he years. had the surgery. He was plagued with, you know, in injuries through his career, you know, shoulder, knee, uh, and his, his right hand. Y'all have seen his fights, I mean, but, you know, his, his, his best punch, you know, in my opinion, was his straight right, overhand right, you know, uh, and then it's hard to say which one's the best, right? I mean, you got to have that good jab. So he had an excellent jab to set up that right hand. I mean, so, uh, you know, both are good, you know, but uh, he did, he did injure, uh, I remember as an amateur uh, before the 92 Olympics, you know, he uh, injured his right hand when he defeated Hector uh, Bennett, you know, the Cuban fighter uh, in the USA versus um, uh, Cuba dual meet. He, he did have a hand, hand injury there. And like I said, the knee and the shoulder did plague him, you know, throughout his career. Yeah, he never complained. You know, he just yeah, like, you seems know, like a guy that wouldn't Given complain, his yeah. character and everything you say about his humility and being positive and having other things going on outside of the ring, I could see someone like that not being really plagued by the injury. Right. He probably still worked out other parts of his body and his mind, you know, and stood in shape and stood positive. Would you say that's correct? Yeah, absolutely. You know, just tremendous amount of courage, you know, and strength. And his work ethic was just un unbelievable, you know. so yeah. And that must have been inspiring to be around that. Right. When you're around that, you know, you've got a high bar, you know, and so either, you know, either you're going to quit or you're going to you're going to compete at a, at a high level. I mean, so, uh, you know, it, it does. It rubs off on you. It's a, it's a great thing. What do you think of Ver Vernon's uh, best moment in his career was? If he had to answer that, which one you think he would be the most proudest of? Well, he was always, you know, uh, like I said about the Shane Mosley deal. He, and I think he beat him twice as an amateur. You know, beat Shane twice as an amateur. So he had his number. Right. So he had him as a pro. And I wouldn't necessarily say he was most proud about that, you know, but he was pretty, you know, he was pretty excited, uh, you know, about, you know, the victory over Shane Mosley the first time. And it really paved the way for him. I think he, you know, got a nice HBO contract and things like that. And so it was a good stepping stone, you know, for your career. But, you know, he always, he, he laughed. He said, man, he said, I, I can beat this guy, not in his sleep, but he said, I can, I can, I can beat Shane Mosley, even though Shane's a great fighter and has done, wonderful things in boxing, he, you know, was always confident that he could beat Shane, you know, but to go back to the first world title, you know, in Augusta at Bell Auditorium, I'd say he was, uh, I was there for that fight, you know, saw it, you know, sat ringside. And uh, that's the first time I ever got to meet the uh, late, great, you know, uh, Mills Lane. I don't know if y'all remember the referee. So he yeah, absolutely. was in the locker room with Vernon and got to meet Mills Lane. So that, that was pretty cool. But, um, you know, to win that first world championship, to do it on your home turf, I think he's very proud of that. And then, uh, you know, the 
multiple others. I mean, I think five-time world champion, which is just incredible. Yeah, it's super impressive. Raul Frank, right? Yeah, Raul Frank, uh, you know, he beat in, uh, well, he it was an accidental headbutt in, that's actually in uh, around 2000, you know, and then he beat him again, I, I believe, I think in Madison Square Garden. Yep. There's a rematch. I, I saw Raul Frank used to train at Gleason's. Yeah. And I used to see him in the gym. And man, he had this hex head. Yeah. It was just like <laughs> his cheekbones were high. Right. His eyes were slanted. And I was maybe like boxing for like six hours. Yeah. And my trainer was like, I got some sparring for you. And Raul Frank looked at me like this. And I was like, oh, I got, I left my mouthpiece at home. I, uh, <laughs> I had a million and one excuses. Of course, they were joking. Right. I didn't know, though. Your switch <laughs> went off. <laughs> my switch went off. <laughs> right, right, right. And, I, and it stood off. I said, you know what? I'll put the switch on for a podcast. <laughs> and Vernon, like the last 10 fights of his career, I mean, uh, he was fighting the top guys. And I like the fact yeah. that he fought those guys twice. Yeah, he right. fought, fought Mert right. Mora twice. He fought Mayorga twice. He fought Mosley twice. He fought Raul Frank twice. He fought he fought a lot of good guys twice. Me, personally, I feel like he was set for a decent reign. Do, do you feel the same way? I think so. You know, the, the the fights that I always wanted to see, you know, he was he was on the 92 Olympic team with Oscar De La Hoya. And, uh, you know, obviously, I, you know, who isn't? Yeah, some aren't, some are, but I've always been a big Delahoya fan. It's just like boxing, but you know, Vernon always said, he goes, I got Oscar's number. He said, I'm, I'm going to get him one day. And so I always, you know, in, in, in my heart, you know, wanted to see the, uh, the, the Delahoya fight also to, to see Floyd, you know, as Floyd moved up, you know, um, it's been incredible to see in my eyes, you know, what's happened, you know, since the, let's say 96 games, you know, cause you know, I was 119 and, and Floyd was 125 and just, the way the model has been changed in professional boxing and Floyd really, you know, uh, on his own merit. I mean, he, he rewrote the book, you know, for professional boxing, you know, back in the day, I mean, Evander Holyfield, Mike Tyson were making 20 million. And if, if you would have told me in year 2000 that, you know, Floyd Mayweather would have made 350 million, 400 million a fight. I'd say, you're crazy. You know, what are you in smart? Yeah. So, How do you feel about the state of boxing currently? I think it's on the comeback, you know, uh, you know, and one, some of that is the credit, you know, Al Heyman, you know, with uh, his premier boxing champions, you know, uh, Vernon was uh, his first fighter. And, uh, and I didn't even, uh, it was actually, we, we were just talking about uh, Raul Frank, you know, at that uh, fight in 2000, I was in Vegas at, at Mandalay Bay, the, the one that entered, ended in the accidental headbutt, you know, and so they stopped it. But Al was there and, you know, didn't know who he was in, in, in the locker room, pretty quiet guy. And they, they say he likes to stay out of the, spotlight doesn't do interviews and things like that but uh al has really changed you know i think you know getting boxing back on friday nights you know uh where it's not some big pay-per-view event and uh people can watch it you know you know free of charge i mean i think it's it's been good for the sport i hope he still has uh you know success with it yeah Heyman seems like uh, a man who's for the fighters. Sure. Would you say I'm correct in that assumption? Right. I mean, I've only met him once. I, I, I don't know him well enough to say that. Yeah, uh, I don't even know what his face looks like. Yeah, I feel I like every no time idea. I see him, all you yeah. see is a hand. Yeah. Like Dr. Claw. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Claw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Petting a cat. And like, yes, these two fighters are going to collide and that's it. Yeah, but, but what I remember meeting him, he's a nice guy. And, and like I said, that's 20, you know, 20 plus years ago uh, when I met him. And so, you know, Al, uh, Vernon always thought, you know, that he was really, you know, a good guy. You know, obviously his man you know, and uh, Vernon didn't have any, you know, bad words to say about Don King, you know, but I will say, you know, with my orga, I mean, that was Don King's fighter. I was a little nervous, you know, just the, the power puncher is the guy that always gets you. And when, when Don King finds a guy living in a hut that's smoking and drinking and, you know, can run a four minute mile, you know, and, 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 and can punch that hard, you might want to watch it close. But, uh, 
as y'all said, Vernon wasn't into ducking opponents, and he would take on those opponents as they came. So. Yeah, Mayoga, Mayoga was a sight. He came yeah. in with a, a Newport cigarette perched on his ear, a Budweiser, <laughs> and he would just, like, wave you in, and he would throw these unorthodox punches. Yeah, he was very rude. Yeah, very <laughs> rude. Very, he was very naughty, yeah. very naughty. Yeah. And he would swing for the fences, man, and it's, like, very unorthodox. And he would punch you on top of your head and just keep on coming. Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, I became a fan of Vernon because of that. Right. Yeah. I knew of him, but, you know, the hardships is what attracted me to him. Sure. You know, I was like, oh, man, this guy, like, he went for his, even though he got hurt, you know. And then so then I went back into the archives, and I saw the earlier fights, and I learned more about him. So it, it, it's interesting how... A setback in his career is how I became introduced to him and how I came to become appreciative of him. Right. I went to the I went yeah I went to the rematch you know the Mayorga rematch and you know I you know I was you know obviously I'm biased you know I wanted Vernon to win, sitting ringside and just the thud with Mayorga's punches you know that first round I was like man this guy can really crack you know and so when uh, you can throw a punch like that you know it's uh you're not going to be running I'm saying but you're going to be on. On your toes a little bit, you know, <laughs> trying to get out of the way of that power. On your P's and Q's. Yeah, he had world-class power. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 yeah but I, but I still thought I thought the second one was pretty close, you know. Uh, I think it ended up in a majority decision for Mayorga, but uh, I thought it was fairly close. I'm glad you mentioned the De La Hoya fight because that just would have been the, – the payoff from that would have been – that's the big money fight. That's who everybody wanted at that time. And I also feel like Vernon – had the build to probably go up to middleweight eventually. Would you say so? Or? I would think so. Perhaps yeah. a collision course with uh, Sergio Martinez, right? Sure, sure. During that time? Uh -huh. Yeah, you know, he uh, yeah, he had the height. I mean, six feet, six one. You know, his nickname early on uh, at the Augusta Box Club was they called him Slim, you know, and so he was real skinny, that build. And he, he, he built, you know, he, he filled out, as we all do, <laughs> you know, over, over the years, you know. But, uh, you know, I definitely think uh, he had the opportunity to go a little bit higher, you know, in weight classes because – like I was talking about with Floyd, you know, being at 125, you know, I, I never remember Floyd walking walking around weight much higher than 150. He got up to competing at those levels, you know, with some bigger fighters, and that's a big step up. Yeah, for sure. You have a, a boxing scholarship, right? Uh, the Durst Forest Boxing Scholarship? Yeah, that's correct, yeah. So uh, to go to that, you know, so the, the, the Augusta Boxing Club, you know, that said really that, in my opinion, a hidden gem at Augusta. And Vernon and I used to always joke, you know, it, it, it's at the Raul Frank um, fight in Vegas where, you know, I had three offers, you know, to turn professional. And, you know, I was going to, you know, punt on my last year of college. And Vernon said, oh, I think you're looking at it the wrong way. He said, you know, I think, you know, you want to finish school first, you know, so really part of my story and part of the scholarship uh, that, that we started. He gave me that advice and guidance. And we kind of you know, did a T-chart, you know, the pros and cons of, uh, you know, hey, turning pro, you know, not turning pro and, you know, finishing college. And so, you know, I, I give him, you know, thanks, you know, for that, you know, to say, hey, go finish school, you know, and uh, once you finish school, if you want to come back to it and pursue a professional career, go do it. And so, you know, graduated from college, you know, got into real estate and uh, believe it or not, you know, Vernon was the, the, the first person to ever offer me a, you know, a six figure investment, you know, into a project, you know, and so he stayed with me, you know, it didn't matter what I was doing. I mean, so just the intent was, was to invest and make money. I mean, it wasn't just philanthropy, but, you know, he stayed with you and believed in people, you know, that he, uh, that he surrounded himself with. So that was truly a gift to me looking back on it, you know, cause you, you, in professional game, you know, uh, you know, the 95% of the fighters, you know, 95% uh, of the money's made by 5% of the fighters. I mean, so, and there's no pension plan, you know, uh, you're an independent contractor, 
and, and some of those things could have changed nowadays in the professional fight game. But back then, that was what the case was. And, uh, you know, there wasn't longevity to go, you know, if you're re- like a retired NFL player or NBA, you know, to, to go do something else um, with the support of a pension or health care plans. You know, so part of that scholarship, we wanted to be able to give back, you know, to the number one, the Augusta Boxing Club that Tom Wright has founded and now Ray Stingray Whitfield, who you know, was a successful amateur uh, and professional fighter, he still runs the club and, uh, you know, wanted to, to just give something to the community because I felt like that's what Vernon would want me to do. And so created a scholarship to hopefully touch a lot of recipients, you know, over the years. You know, we, uh, we recently started it April of this year with $50,000 initial contribution and have raised about 20000 So we, we hope to be able to get in the community, get some recipients, you know, uh, work with Augusta University, uh, also with Payne College and, you know, technical s- schools there to, to get some kids in school. Wow, that's wow. that's a beautiful thing. That's uh, another great like piece uh, part of his legacy. I mean, his uh, between Destiny's Child is still in operation, correct? Yeah, that I don't know. I mean, I haven't I haven't researched it lately. I don't know if it is or not. Derek, but, you know that group broke up years ago. Beyonce is doing her own thing, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I do know this. I, I know I know uh, Vernon's Destiny Child was first before the big group took off. I mean, because he said he probably he inspired said, them. Hey, said, yeah, yeah t- they took my name. They took my name. What's this about? You know, so. <laughs> So it was, it was funny. pretty funny. And he didn't sue them? Yeah, no. Wow, yeah. he's a good guy. <laughs> but, uh, he's a good guy. He yeah, really is. Yeah, but then, he saw, the Vernon sounded like he was a good friend. Yeah. 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 And meanwhile, I can't get anything good from you but a vape pen. Hey, you want to smoke from my vape pen? This guy <laughs> smokes vape. But yeah, they, and, they, you know, and they, are, they actually, in the city of Augusta just renamed the, uh, I think it was the Hill Street uh, Park, you know, on uh, Telfair Street in Augusta. They renamed that, you know, the Vernon Forest Park last week, and they've done a big memorial uh, you know, for Vernon, a big plaque and, uh, you know, historical marker on the site. So it's pretty neat. Oh, that is cool. That's man. beautiful. It, like the podcast, we, it, it's, a, you know, we, it's, we're, we're boxing fans. We, we've both boxed before, but you know, we're, when we're highlighting, um, you know, the, the people that, that we look up to or that are interesting to us, like it always goes deeper than, than the boxing, you know, like the conversation that we've had with you today. Like, what would you say your greatest memory of Vernon would be one that sticks out to you the most? I'd go back to the, the decision, you know, if I was going to, you know, pursue the professional career in 2000, you know, and quit school. I mean, so uh, that, that was the biggest decision for me or biggest moment, you know, with him looking back. I mean, we had plenty of great times together and, you know, uh, really miss his laugh, smile, you know, and joking and uh, banter and talking boxing like y'all do. I mean, so it's fun to just sit around, uh, you know, and, and talk about it, you know, for people that really truly love the sport. Uh, I miss that, you know, and uh, something that you can't get back. But um, what what I do appreciate and, and why I feel I was led, you know, to give and, you know, uh, get involved in the Augusta community with the Augusta Boxing Club uh, with the scholarship is because of what Vernon gave to me. And so I, I think that's my duty and, you know, of that service of passing it on to others. Hopefully, you know, I don't know when, where, who, you know, we can touch the life of a, a, another kid coming up through the, the club that, uh, you know, whether or not they're successful in boxing, a champion in the ring or a champion just in life, that we can impact them in a positive way. And so uh, that really, I would say, is my most memorable moment, you know, for him telling me, don't turn pro, don't be, don't look at the signing bonus and, you know, the contract and the glitz and glamour of it. Hey, it doesn't all look like that. You know, with the TV cameras around, yeah, it's great. You know what, take, what it takes to train and uh, do your road work, you know, training, sparring. All that, you know, is a lonely man's game, 
you know, so I'm very grateful for that, you know, that he gave me that advice to put the, the education ahead of the, the boxing career. Wow, that's awesome. It seems to me that um, you were very lucky to have Vernon in your life, but also he was very lucky to have you in his life because you're doing just an amazing job with like representing who he was. I mean, I got snippets of it, but you know, you giving us this in-depth information is super cool, man. And it's like, it goes full circle and it all makes sense, right? So I appreciate that. You know, we all, like, I've lost close friends. You know, there's times where I'm alone and I feel like, God damn, you know, what would this person do? Do you find yourself in situations like that where you think about Vernon? Do you feel like a spiritual connection sometimes or you just kind of hold on to the memories and revisit that? Or do you feel like that connection still? Right now, I feel, I feel like I'm connected with him, you know, in, in a, uh, through prayer, meditation. You know, I've, I've got a strong faith and, you know, I, I was you know sharing with Levert, his brother, actually on Instagram. I said, you know. Uh, I feel connected to Vernon sometimes, you know, I feel like I, you know, if I'm going into a situation where I need some courage or whatever it might be, I feel like I can pull on that power and, uh, you know, that's made a lasting impact, you know, and so some people will say, well, that's not true. You're just doing it on your own. I mean, so it is, you know, you can believe what you want. I, I, I tend to believe that, you know, it's Vernon, you know, coming, you know, and, and helping me. And so, uh, and, and happy to believe that, you know, so, uh, it, you know, it, may, it brings, uh, not to say tears of joy, but just happiness, you know, to know that uh, that he's there helping me. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Frank, um, I want to thank you again for yeah, your absolutely. time. You are amazing, brother. I appreciate you. Please, I would love to have you back on the show. You're more than welcome. You ever find yourself in New York City? I'm Stop not sure by. if you even know this, but when New York City comics... We'll throw you some comp tickets. You could, uh, you know, <laughs> sit back and enjoy with your friends and family or just be a guest on the show. Whatever. Our house is your house. New York City is home for you. So I hope to meet you in person one day. Yeah, absolutely. We'd love to do it. And maybe uh, we can get Ray Whitfield to come on the show as well, you know. So, but wish you all the, the most, uh, the best of luck and most success with your show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate all it. All right. Thank you hey, so much. Thank you all. Thank you, okay. Frank. Have a all great right, day. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, um, originally, um, I wanted to do a foundation, but I really didn't know what I wanted to do. The only thing I knew was that whatever I did, I wanted to make sure that it made a difference. I really wanted what my efforts to mean something. There we have it, folks. Frank Durst, what a what a gentleman. I uh, these this interviews just keep getting better and better. I mean, I just love hearing about the person. Well, we're getting the human side. And of like, something that's of a sport that comes across as very primitive. Yeah. You know, it's fighting. Bar barbaric. Barbaric. Some would say. Yeah. yeah. Treacherous. Treacherous. You know, it's a it's a it's a sport that requires that you're gonna experience blood, guts, and tears, and it's very showboaty, it's very macho, it's very in your face. It's fighting, you know, but there's a human side. You look like you're stuck on the word macho. That make you feel uncomfortable with no, the macho. No, not word. at all, not at all. I'm just I'm just uh Conversations like this, they get my my juices. I'm just in tune to everything you're saying. Yeah, I, but you decided to make fun of me, so <laughs> that's my defense mechanism, and it has been since I was a child. Well, you were speaking well, and you just put it right down the toilet. The, but ah, you got fucked up too. Proceed, cat. proceed. You know what? Uh, seriously, so there's a very human side to it. I love the fact that we will get to we got to highlight their relationship as friends and how you're not alone in this fucking world. Mm -hmm. You're allowed to reach out to a friend and ask for advice. When I have a hard time, I reach out to you. Yes. And you're there to pick up the call. And, and you the same for me. You know, so when Vernon was, uh, uh, you know, alive, he was there for Frank. That and story even, about him getting into college is big. Yeah, and even it, uh, uh, now that he's no longer with us, there's still a spiritual connection. 
So we have to understand that there's always a connection when you have faith and belief and you have to hold on to those memories and exercise and promote the goodness of your friends, of mm -hmm. your family, share the stories. You know, a lot of times we're taught to be protective of our feelings and not let them out or whatever. And I think when we share at that capacity, we become more evolved, we become better. It becomes more human. It becomes easier. It becomes more manageable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look at uh, look at the nonprofit he started. Had a, their message was great. You know, the um, the mission. Their mission. Yeah. Can we change the Destiny's Child uh, name to SWV? I prefer that R and B group. <laughs> if I want to talk about the early nineties, early two thousand. Uh, escape. Escape. Yeah, they were Isn't good. That, yeah, escape. Take off your shoes and relax. Your feet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Total. Total was my, I love them. They were all lesbians, but they were great. <laughs> Kima, Keisha, and Pam, remember? Oh, oh that song they did with Biggie back Can't you see what you Yeah, and Biggie had the white outfit on how with the that, cane. How'd that verse start? We can't end this episode to it. Uh, something about my rap, my, my rap lines Mine's are like, like landmines. Yeah. One step, kaboom. kaboom. Black suits fill the room. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was it. We're going speaking back. Of, speaking of landmines, if you're in New York City, clean up your dog shit. I stepped in a pile of <laughs> shit the other day, and I was searching for a puddle of water nah. and twigs. You need to pay attention, son. <laughs> Watch your step, attention. kid. Watch your step, kid. Watch your step, kid. Watch your step, kid. Yep. You best what, what, what a great interview. And I, I got. I'll be. I'll, I would be lying if I would say I'm not a little bit fanned out by the uh, kind of nah, nah, behind nah, nah. the wall like information. You know, well, these guys and these guys are they're respecting us because they can tell how passionate we are about boxing yeah. and our knowledge pans out. It's like Ghostface Killer and Raekwon. I'm Ghostface. You're Raekwon. Nah, nah, nah. Chill, God. Chill, God. <laughs> Run. What's happening with this is that we're. Within ma a matter of minutes, we're comfortable with our whoever we're interviewing, and they're comfortable with us. I mean, these have been which heavy is, interviews, right? And which, by the way, which is not an easy feat because this is Zoom, right? And you know, we're just that good at what we do. You know what I'm no, saying? No, we're not on Zoom. We're on Riverside, which I, is a wonderful program. I would like to say maybe they'll sponsor us because we need some money. Yeah, the only Riverside I know is the Bronx. You know what oh, I mean? <laughs> no, that's <laughs> the only Riverside I know is the Bronx. I stay with Zoom all day. Yo, but Riverside, this is. It's great quality. It is. I can see your boogers on the screen. I mean, even when it looks like not good to us, it's good on their end. And then that's what we use to edit. So Yeah, initially with the Ray Boo Boo Massini one, was he worried. was all pixeled I was out. Like, I was like, this looks like the first Nintendo. <laughs> Guys, that's another episode. Derek, you want to close for anything? I mean, uh, I hope everybody enjoyed the episode. If you didn't, uh, you're not a human being. And uh, I, I've enjoyed... Uh... If you didn't enjoy the episode, there's a place for you guys. It's called a blog. Go on a blog and, and complain about it. We're like, not trying to hear it. Be like Roger Way Mayweather. Be like, these guys don't know shit about boxing. <laughs> these guys don't know shit about boxing. <laughs> uh, good times, man. I appreciate you, homeboy. Absolutely. Another one in the books. That's P.O.P. Picking up punches. Sound Lounge. We out. <laughs> <laughs>